0: so when i started the odyssey community i like to call it it was about being in a safe place in a safe environment where we could be ourselves with like-minded women and just fill up on the sisterhood And, and that spawned a conference a community a portal other events but it was about creating a safe space for us where we didn't always have to live in two worlds
1: you're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Michaela Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Linda Spradley Dunn, a woman who is the epitome of knowing the value she brings to the table and who is not afraid to go out and get Hers. Prior to being an entrepreneur, she spent 14 years at IBM where she received numerous awards and moved quickly through the ranks. But she always knew that she would one day be her own boss. So, armed with her world class training from IBM, Linda finally stepped out on her own. 20 years later, she commands the ear and marketing dollars of Fortune 500 companies that seek her advice on multicultural marketing strategies and wants to connect with the powerful community of multicultural affluent and influential women in her Odyssey Media network. So what's Odyssey Media? Odyssey is a unique organization that provides an unparalleled blend of programs and resources including things like conferences, business retreats, boot camps, digital forums, and more. The Odyssey network of women includes senior corporate executives, seasoned entrepreneurs, attorneys, physicians, women in transition, you name it. Odyssey is an organization that is unapologetic about gathering like-minded women to explore everything from venture capital to rock climbing. I really enjoyed my conversation with Linda, and I know you will too. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to the guest chair, Linda. Thank you. So I want to start by going back to... What really inspired your path? So tell us a little bit about your background and how did your upbringing influence your career path?
0: I am a entrepreneur that thinks that you are either born with it or you're not. I do think training helps definitely, but I just think I had the gene. I mean, as a young kid, whether I was selling Girl Scout cookies, candy for the band. I just had to win. I had to be the first one. I had some kind of war room in my bedroom on who was going to help me sell and what goal I was going to make.
1: I literally scared the bejesus out of my brain. <laughs> I was born
0: an entrepreneur, no questions asked.
1: When you say you were born an entrepreneur, did you immediately try to work for yourself coming out of you know, college or what, what inspired you to go down the corporate route then? Coming out of college, are you kidding me?
0: I taught baton twirling lessons at the YWCA at 14 years old. Wow. There was a gap. I was a majorette. No one was teaching young kids in my community. We couldn't always afford the baton twirling camps, which is really big down south. So I talked the Y director into letting me run a class. Pretty soon I had five classes. I made my little sister to help me and my cousin, who was a great twirler. And it was just in me. Um, I don't know where that gene comes from, but it was simply in me. So at 14, my first job was baton twirling instructor at the YWCA in West Palm Beach, Florida.
1: Get out. And what did you study? Um, and, you know, I know you you ended up working at IBM. So what were you, you know, I'm sure it was a strategic Life. plan there. Well, actually, and, and I love to tell young people this, is Sometimes your
0: birth order and who you are in high school, college, people tell you what you're going to be. So because I was on the speech and debate team, which is the foundation of much of my confidence as a girl, being able to speak extemporaneously in public, I was always told, you're going to be a lawyer. You know, my father would say, you could argue with a light post. (laughs) And, you know. And so everybody said, you're going to be a lawyer. And of course, in our community, being a lawyer or a doctor back in those days was really important. There wasn't tech. There were business people, but mostly it was people that owned a funeral home, a hairdresser, an insurance company. Those were sort of the business people that we looked up to. So I went to school thinking, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a lawyer. It was an internship at IBM in college that led me toward becoming an IBMer. I was fascinated with sales at IBM. As I studied the sales and who got the big bonuses, it was always the men who sold the large systems computers, those that would take up a whole world mainframes. And so I was determined to become a mainframe computer salesperson. I was often only woman, only African-American on my sales team. And um, I rose quickly through IBM and sales And that training, that IBM training, that being a woman selling a large frame main system is absolutely the foundation of my fearlessness now. Can't buy that type of training.
1: Amazing. And I'm sure that, yeah, that sales training, I'm sure just came in handy in all of these business deals and all the major partnerships that you've cemented. Yeah, and it's not just the sales training. It is the sales training from the IBM companies. Now, look, back in the
0: day a lot of companies trained like that but at ibm you didn't talk to a client for 18 months a lot of people got weeded out but that customer is always right wake up at four o'clock in the morning and check whether the comma is right in the proposal the ability to establish rapport many companies can't afford to train like that but that training that we all got ibm xerox avon coca-cola back in those days if you look around and you see a lot of successful entrepreneurs many of them went through those type of programs
1: so when did the idea for odyssey come about and when did you make that transition
0: right so odyssey is actually like my third or fourth company because i've already had a company but i made the tradition the transition to odyssey when i attended some events and back in the day my company odyssey uh, the product because it's moved from several of my companies with me but It'll be 20 years old. And 20 years ago, I would look around um, at conferences and there would be three or four African-American women, maybe one Latino woman. And remember, this was before Catalyst Multicultural, Black Enterprise, Working Women Multicultural. None of those existed when I established this. And I thought, we need something for us. We need a place where we are not the minority. And it is one of my... um, Uh, Caucasian or white girlfriends that said, I don't know what it's like to be the minority in a room full of professional women where everybody is either above me or my level. And that was a startling comment to me, but she was right. There there were, she would go to galas or she may go to a neighborhood awards thing. So when I started the Odyssey community, I like to call it, it was about being in a safe place, in a safe environment where we could be ourselves with like-minded women and just fill up on the sisterhood. And, And that spawned a conference, a community, a portal, other events, but it was about creating a safe space for us where we didn't always have to live in two worlds
1: when you initially started it because nowadays thanks to things like social media and you know the different ways that you can gather online there are subsets that pop up more easily but at the time you were doing this you know these things weren't around and did you know that you would eventually want this to be a full out business or was it more you know first let me start this community and it kind of grew from there
0: right so first it was let me start the community and i had other businesses before this and it was also, let me, let me just hustle and jump in front of everything. Um, people tend to look around and say, I'll emulate or I'll try to do something else better. I was like, I'm starting from scratch. I don't care what they say or what they tell me. This is my dream. This is my intent. And I'm going to do it. And so many people said to me, you know, you're not going to get any sponsorship for a predominantly at that time African-American conference. And why are you calling it multicultural? I said, because everybody is welcome. You don't have to define whether you're a Latina, African-American, Latina, anything along that. You know, sprinkle of chocolate, come on. (laughs) It's for you. you And multicultural, you mean women of color? No, I mean multicultural. And that was my first fight. The second fight was... Um, As I hustled to get this established, what one client said to me, a very well-meaning guy, a good friend now, okay, Linda, this sounds great, but what are 350 women going to do in the desert by themselves without men at this conference? You're not a sorority. And I mean, I just, my hair was automatically set on fire (laughs) and I thought to myself, we'll show you what we're going to do because my first one was in Palm Desert Mm -hmm. and he at the time... Could not fathom 350 women getting together that didn't belong maybe to a sorority or a church group or a social organization doing business that way, multicultural women with each other. And so the hustle for this was always, this is my dream, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to hustle it through corporate sponsorships, registrations, and like-minded women helping me around the country. And and that's how I did it.
1: Now, what you're describing, was that your first ever Odyssey Network experience? Because we'll touch on that in in a bit. But that first gathering.
0: Yes. So the the hustle, the side hustle came in there because I was running a um, call center for Medicare. So the second or third business I had, I've had so many I can't remember, but I had a business called Health Telemanagement System. And while that business was going on, they were establishing something called Medicare HMOs. And there was a requirement to speak to seniors in their native languages. And I had run, in the end, healthcare at IBM. And so I opened a healthcare call center in Newark, New Jersey, next to NJIT, where you had students that spoke Mandarin and Cantonese and Patois and all different languages. So that meant no healthcare, no big payroll, part-time students who were eager to walk across the street and answer the telephones. And so, how I made my money in the beginning was a healthcare call center, um, and most of the blue, a lot of the blue crosses were my clients, and that allowed me to fund my dream company, which was Odyssey Media.
1: I love that. So your side hustle was funding your real dream entrepreneurship. You got it. Yeah,
0: because no bank would give me money. Nobody understood Odyssey, so I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to have to self fund
1: yeah let's talk about that. so what Odyssey was then it has it's clearly evolved right and, and it's a media company oh, and when definitely. you say yeah, when you say media company, people don't always know. so can you break down what exactly odyssey media does right so and the reason I chose media because I could see the
0: trend where social media and all that was going, and mm-hmm. I thought i'm not going to call myself an event company because we're going to be much more than that I mean in um Communicating through email and all of that was very, very new, but I could just sort of see, I love being somewhat of a futurist where this was going. And and I did get that part right. So when I say media, it's all types of media. So we owned a magazine in the past, Odyssey Color, which was a travel uh, magazine for multicultural women. It did exceptionally well, but then print took a dive during the recession and we said, okay, we got to shave that to this day people ask us, are you ever going to bring that magazine back? We do events, we do research, but most importantly, we provide a safe space, communicating through everything from the internet to gatherings, to meetups, through introductions. of There's someone in London that needs to know someone in Florida, how do we handle it? So we threw that all up in the air and we said, I think we're a media company. <laughs> and you know, we don't give a lot of um, people say, oh, well, did you write a 15 page business plan? No, indeed not. Um, If you're writing all of that all of the time, you have to start with documentation and some basics on what you need to do or all your money will fly out the window. But if you spend all your time on the perfect business plan, the perfect documentation, the perfect research for why you do it and needing adoration from bankers and investors and people like that, then you're never going to run a business ever unless you start out the gate with sort of a tech company where you need rounds of funding but for most people and a lot of women you got to figure out where you're going to get the money how you're going to sustain yourself and what it is that you're going to do and you got to run
1: you are preaching to the choir. Yes. I hear that <laughs> on a deep level. So now, you know, one of the things I really admire about Odyssey Media as well is the company provides exclusive experiences. When you think of Odyssey, you know that this is premier, high yes. end, <laughs> right. um, you know, for, for only a certain group. And how did you start to develop that brand and, and also start to connect with partners and help them to understand the kind of group that you were going to put them in front of? Right.
0: And so that is probably was and still is the hardest thing. So I decided, I tell you, I'm always looking for the niche, the gap, where no one is perhaps in a field that I want to be. And so the first thing I looked at is multicultural, African-American, white women. We, we always have had a lot of associations, right? But when advertisers in particular and a lot of companies thought of us, they had us pigeonhole. So I was talking to my first client and I was gathering. I know I want to do affluent and influential because it's isolating and very lonely, especially if you don't live in one of the top 20 cities like Miami or like that, and you get moved or relocated by a company, or you decide to take off and live in another state that is not very diverse. It is very difficult to explain to somebody that black folk have tears also. So if you looked back at a lot of the advertising in the past, it always had us in a church, singing in a gospel choir, (laughs) eating Mammy's potato pie. Okay, so that was basically how they marketed to us, or we were having like a whole bunch of fun eating fried chicken. And then my Latina girlfriend said, you know, and we're always in hot pants and heels. She said, even when we clean, we got to sit in hot pants <laughs> and heels. And then my Asian girlfriend said, yeah, and we're out. You know, we can't even look up and speak to you, though we have an IQ of 180, right? And so we all started to laugh about how we were being portrayed in the media through commercials. And that carries over into corporate America, whether you think so or not, some of that. So when I started, I did a lot of research. A lot of research, stereotypes, images, but who really spends the money? So I'm calling on this one client, and I won't say who it was. And they said, Well, this population is really small. It doesn't really exist, basically. And I had the data to prove who was buying their product. And it, it was just eye opening. And they invited me to present to their board of directors, and they're just a major client. And we have moved. Over $100 million in investments to the Prudential Company, who has been our title sponsor for our big event for 19 years. Data. Data talks. Return on investment. And so the sponsors came running. Every time I would call on a sponsor, I would have my data, my research, who's buying the product, and where you could find us. So very quickly, my database became almost more important than my company. Because there is no one place that affluent and influential African-American women, Latino women live. They spread everywhere. There's no list you can buy because nobody has even defined us before. Even TechCrunch and the Diane Report that puts out information on how much money we get from investors, we're less than 1% of all the equity investors of um, people they give money to. And Latinas they don't even track. That's females. And so, when you know your data and you know your money, and you're sitting talking to a bank and saying X amount of women have their money here, and you know what, you guys haven't even invested, we don't even register on TechCrunch, it's eye opening. So, I don't market from passion, though I'm very passionate. I market from data, and then I sort of dare you not to do business with me. It's kind of easy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's really smart. Just getting your data together and then. As far as cultivating that community, how did it work on that side?
0: So easy, because women were thirsty and hungry for it. So again, I had no money when I was starting out, just barely enough money to fund it. So I basically asked 300 women to open up their Rolodexes. Tell me affluent and influential women all over the country that are in your network Host a tea. I had 26 T's at 26 Ritz Carlson's. They became my partner. Come out for that tea, and I'm going to tell women what I'm doing. And they were signing up by like a line around the building kind of thing. And then those women would say, I got 20 names. And those women would say, I got 20. Oh, no, no, no. Don't pick her. She didn't belong in this group. <laughs> and so the consumers are the most discriminating of everybody on. If they believe in you, if they feel like they have a stake in your success, watch out. They're going to help your company grow. And this is before social media. This is before Facebook, Instagram, uh, a lot of uh, all that stuff. This is women opening up their address books saying, here are my 20 women that need to be part of this.
1: And. Have you noticed over the years a shift in the careers of the women who come out to your events and are really a part of the Odyssey Media family? For example, has there been a marked shift towards entrepreneurship over the years?
0: Oh, absolutely. So at least half, maybe 40% of my audience now is entrepreneurs. And it's not just entrepreneurs. It's what type of entrepreneur. So everybody from Charmaine Hawkins in Georgia who owns 15 franchises, uh, uh, McDonald's, Popeyes, right on down the line, to women who are leaving corporate America to become an entrepreneur, start a small business, and they come very different than a regular entrepreneur that I may, I may be mentoring at an event that is sort of thinking about doing. Women leaving corporate America are coming with their stocks. They may have owned a vacation home that they're willing to put up toward the business idea. They're typically very document oriented. I'm gonna take a year after I leave to go to every class that I can to document my business plan, the whole bit. And they're very well thought out, a lot of them. That is an emerging group that people need to pay attention to. People that are leaving corporate America, okay, to start their own business. And by the way, African American business entrepreneurs, female are the fastest growing segment of the new entrepreneur.
1: Hey, guys, it's Michaela here with a quick word from our sponsors. OK, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash hustlepro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash hustlepro to start your two months now. As side hustlers, we're in the business of turning our ideas into value. The thing is, we need time to cultivate fresh ideas, which is exactly where our sponsor FreshBooks can help. FreshBooks makes cloud accounting software for creative professionals that's so straightforward to use. You'll save hours every week and have more time to let your creativity flourish. If that's not enough incentive, the FreshBooks platform has been rebuilt from the ground up. They've taken simplicity and speed to an entirely new level and added powerful new features. I can't cover them all, but Sending a branded invoice in under 30 seconds and enabling online payments in two clicks is a good place to start. There's also a new projects feature where you can invite employees or contractors to collaborate and easily share information, files, and updates. If you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now would be the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for all my listeners. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to FreshBooks.com SideHustlePro and enter side hustle pro" in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, so now you've connected with partners. You have women who are hungry for this content. When did you start to reap profit from the business and what were the first things you invested back into it?
0: Right, so that's always such a tricky question because every entrepreneur who is at the stage that I am always wishes that they had been more disciplined um, coming through. Uh, so profit comes and goes. That's what people need to understand. So we were very profitable starting out, how I wish for some of their profit back in the day. But you're very much tied to the economy. So starting out, I noticed that people would register and they would say, and i want to pay for my mother, sister, and my niece, who are all in the business, well, everybody was riding the dot-com boom, and there was a lot of stock option money. There was a lot of, we're just doing well. We were profitable. Then the recession hits. Oh, my. Oh, my. Before, you have the recession, and before the recession, you have 9-11. So 9-11 hits, and I'm sitting there wondering, is anybody going to travel? And things like event interruption insurance went from a couple grand, you could get an event interruption policy, with us, to major sort of like, you got to add terrorism, act of God, sinkholes in Florida, <laughs> nuts, that policy now. So profit wanes a lot depending on the economy and the environment. So in the early days, for example, we could pretty much plan an event. We didn't plan an event in Boston in the middle of the winter, but no issue. I cannot tell you the number of events that we have had canceled because of hurricanes during the wrong time, major floods, snowstorm, airline backup. It's a long way of saying what you worried about in terms of profit 20 years ago is very different on what could affect your profit now. So, yes, we've been very profitable, and then there have been times that we have been at the mercy of 9-11 the economy, a war that could really, really affect how profitable we were.
1: Yes, I've heard you say, too, that you, I believe you almost went bankrupt. Is that?
0: Twice. Twice. Wow. Yeah. And most of those were, uh, some through your fault, my fault, but a lot of it through the economy. When the magazine went under, people ran from print to digital. Some people saw that. Big of- uh, magazines like Condé Nast, and they had started integrating digital and print. A lot of magazines went under or started to look like a little pamphlet because we didn't understand how strong the digital push would become. So if you had the capital, again, back to access to capital, you could outlast it. If you didn't, no longer, or you sold
1: Speaking of access to capital, now you are a proud african american female owned company have you yes. Have you ever second guessed yourself on that or you know been tempted to accept capital from an investor who-
0: absolutely <laughs> and so are you
1: kidding so i've I pitched
0: to investors um I had three different offers throughout the year, and I got to a quick point, got cozy, and walked away. And so one of them, I'm so happy I walked away from because the whole entity that they were putting together is gone and my business would have been gone. Secondly, I talked to quite a few women who had sold and they were still part of the business and they were miserable. If it's your baby, it's your baby. Very few people can sell part of the business or start to report into investors and Keep that entrepreneur spirit. You know, you you answer to your consumers, you answer to your bank, your credit lines, but it's very different. So I always now some people are really good at it. I wouldn't be. So you have to know who you are. I do intend to sell or flip or merge or something along that line when I'm ready. It's part of my exit strategy. But I can't be part of it because. Um, I don't think that I would be good at that. I'm going to have to sell it completely and walk away or merge it completely and walk away. But I'm I'm not going to be able to be part-time commentator on the business. There's nothing wrong with saying that's who
1: I am. Yeah, that's very real. And and I thank you for sharing that transparently. <laughs> yeah, because investors have a right to say, what's going on with my money? How's she doing here?
0: Um, and, and some businesses require large rounds of financing. They're not going to be able to do it without having equity investors. And that's okay. But people need to have their eyes open when they come through the door on what type of small business owner am I? Am I doing this to save it for my kids? Am I doing this to flip it and go on to another business? Am I doing this for the good of the community? You got to know who you are.
1: Now, how do you envision the future for Odyssey? You know, you've already seen one major shift from the print to digital. And within Mm -hmm. the event and experience space, do you see any shifts in how people consume live events and and, and the, the different experiences that you create? Oh, yes.
0: So this one, I'm very proud to say I was in front of again. So the first thing I saw that Black and brown women around the world, there was a common thread a common thread of, I need a safe space. I need to talk to another woman like me. I, I'm, I'm burned out at this job and I'm never going to be CEO. It's not a glass ceiling for us. It's an acrylic ceiling. Okay. And it's one of my Asian friends like to say, it's a bamboo ceiling. And so, you know, I, I love that my friends are so diverse because they give such great advice. So I went global. And I said, look at all these conferences that people give, now they just hang out a shingle and go, I'm giving a conference, I'm giving an event. Let me stay true to who I was, and that was connecting black and brown women in the United States. Well, how about if I connect black and brown women across the world? And so my insecurity said, you know, do I have a right to do that? Am I authentic in doing that? So the first group that helped was expats, people that live in London and Africa and Paris. We start to read because that's how our network went global. As women took global assignments or stayed there or had friends there, they would connect them to us. And I started reaching out, and the response was overwhelming. And the first place we went to was London. And in London, many of the corporations said, Oh, we don't have a race problem here because um, <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not allowed by law to count race since the Nazi incident. So they really can't tell you how many Disney, they eyeball it, but they have, there's a race problem in London. And we went to London and what the miracle was, were the corporations who helped sponsor me there, Intel, Google, Coca-Cola, JP Morgan Chase, we held it at their headquarters. And so these companies who are really committed to diversity. We're like, not only are you authentic in this space, but we'll help you go. And so from there, we're now in Bermuda. We will be in Lagos, Nigeria. We're opening in Paris. And I'm really doing a lot, though it's the United States. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Silicon Valley, we have a big event there in April. And so expanding my uh, reach with the same idea, was a really good move for our company.
1: You're absolutely right about that. I'm curious to know what has been your most interesting experience as an entrepreneur.
0: (laughs) Okay, this is my all time best experience is I called in a company that is a great company and they do business with us and the African-American woman inside was wonderful, great advocate and the white woman inside was a great advocate, but the guy was tough. And I um, went from IBM, where I wore my hair like Mary Tyler Moore in the little flip and the wingtip pumps in the bow tie, to wearing my hair braided. Little braids, you can't really see them, but if you get up close, sometimes I wear my hair braided. And they were freaking out. And they were like, <laughs> you cannot wear your hair braided here. He, he is old-fashioned, and you're not going to get any money. And I, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. My hair is braided, cut, curled. You can't even see the braids. And I am extremely conservative dresser. Oh, no, you cannot have those braids up in here. So I'm like, okay, well, the call is tomorrow. They're like, well, you have to take them out. I'm like, no, a sister doesn't just take out her braids. <laughs> you, this this is a routine. I've got to do a lot of stuff. And so there I am in a wig shop the day before no. looking for a wig to put on top of my braids. Now no. you know how crazy that's was. <laughs> <Like>, and so... <laughs> I do the call. I'm sweating. I've got a wig on top of my braids. <laughs> like, but back in the day, I needed the sell. So the, the the ladies, the white lady's happy, the black lady's happy. I'm like, this is ridiculous. But they knew this gentleman, and they knew that my braids would be distracting to getting the sell. I needed the sell. I needed the company. So fast forward now. Someone said to me oh, this is a really free company. Everybody walks around in jeans and T-shirts. This is a new company. <laughs> you shouldn't wear a suit or real high heels. Don't look that sort of window-done polished. And I thought, okay, that's it. I am at a point in my career, I am who I am. Whether it's braids, heel, a suit, a dress, you're going to either accept me or I don't need to do business with you. And so I was looking at the irony of starting out and really needing that cell, and what a woman in business was supposed to look like fast forward to where I am now. If you don't like my braids, don't do business with me, seriously. So um, that has become one of the funniest stories that I tell young women now is the evolution of the ability for us to be ourselves.
1: Yes. I can't, that is That is so crazy to me. But I've definitely yeah. been there where I've felt, you know, you straightened the hair for the um, interview and then you come in with your Afro puff <laughs> a few months yes.
0: in. <laughs> yeah, I understand the different industries. Mm. Wall Street's conservative. Yeah. So I'm not going to come into Wall Street with clacker beads and flip-flops on. But something as per- – you should be well-groomed, right? And that is it. You should be well-groomed. But I'm also not going to wear a T-shirt and jeans to make – some millennial
1: company feel comfortable. (laughs)
0: So uh, there we go. So it went full circle.
1: Well, I love that. You are who you are. And that's that. I am who I am. (laughs) And that's the perfect note to transition to a quick lightning round where basically I ask you five questions and you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Great. Mm All righty. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
0: A kitchen cabinet made up of three women, somebody that understands finance, somebody that understands you, and somebody that understands the industry.
1: Number two, what's the best business book or podcast episode or conference that you've consumed this year? I would say the best podcast that I consumed
0: was one done by the SBA and the podcast was all about the government and doing business as a minority supplier.
1: I'll have to get the link to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number three, who is a fellow black woman entrepreneur who inspires you and why? I have a lot of them. I would say Shawna Menifee in New
0: York. She's a commercial realtor and I have never seen side hustle, real hustle, real business, and 18 hustles going on at the same time, Um, and her ability to understand that very male-dominated industry and to rise to the top.
1: Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
0: No is a complete sentence.
1: Love it. Number five, <laughs> what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing a steady paycheck?
0: It's in your gut. You will know when it's time to cut over. It is not easy. It's a journey. It's not a straight path. And most importantly, make sure you have a savings and some money to live off because you will not cut yourself a check within the first year worth anything.
1: All right. That is some solid advice, Linda, and that's the perfect way to end this show. So before we go, what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? Um, When you say connect, what do you mean? Um, What's the best way that we can follow Odyssey Media and connect with Odyssey after this show?
0: Great. So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm done talking. I've reactivated that. And um, a lot of women love my real, authentic uh, tips on that. You can also follow me on Odyssey Media Co. And you can go to our website. I would love that the most and become part of our audience. All
1: right. right, Will do. And I'll share all of those links with you guys. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today, Linda.
0: You're very welcome. And thank you.
1: Thank you. This episode was brought to you by FreshBooks. For your free, unrestricted 30-day trial of FreshBooks, visit freshbooks.com/sidehustlepro and enter "Side Hustle Pro" in the "How did you hear about us?" section. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro.